Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me today is my special guest, Cheryl West Luong. And here's a bit about Cheryl, y'all. She has a master's in divinity, which is seminary. She is a speaker, facilitator, educator, and social entrepreneur. She has spent most of her career in K through 12 and higher education, helping students discover what it means to belong in our diverse world. Her passion for intercultural, intergenerational, and interfaith friendships has guided her career as a DEIB educator. And for those of you, that's diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. She is the co-founder of Cardia House Consulting, which teaches generous communication as a means to resist polarization and move toward organizational health and relational wholeness. Cheryl is married and lives in Waco, Texas, where her two sons and a horde of cats. (laughs) Her love language is article sending and her happy place is a lunch date with a friend, no clock, sans COVID. So without further ado, please welcome the woman behind it all, Cheryl West Luong. Hey, thanks for having me today. I'm so excited to be here and be with your guests. This is going to be fun. My pleasure, Cheryl. And before we dive into our topic, which we're going to focus on the root of polarization, as well as weave in some generational um, ties So I definitely want to give the audience a chance to get to know you a little bit better. And I like to do that by one or two ways. So the first option is we could do an icebreaker up front, or the second option is we could play a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Oh, let's do 10 questions. Okay, we're going to rapid fire. So question number one, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Uh, teleportation question number two dream car or dream home dream home what's your dream home a clean one (laughs) question three you just want an all expense paid vacation anywhere you want to go however there is a caveat you just found out they're not flying back to your home base so where are you heading When I'm done, I have to fly somewhere else. Um, not sure yet. (laughs) Oh, oh, I get you. Like I don't get the return. Okay. Um, dang, that's crazy. Uh, maybe Colorado. Four favorite food. If I say pizza, will you think I'm twelve? No, I love pizza. Too. Okay. <laughs> mod pizza. I love mod pizza oh, and any yeah. type of good pizza. There you go. I guess let me put the context there for the audience. So for anyone that does not know what mod pizza is, it's like a subway, but for pizza, you could put all the toppings you want for one price. So, and they bake it in and it's like in a brick oven. Is it a brick oven, Cheryl? Yeah, it's like oven fired. Yeah. yeah. And it's fancier than subway though. Like the ingredients are like, a lot 
Let's do it. <laughs> and five, if you could have a lunch or dinner with any person, past or present, who are you partaking a meal with? Oh my goodness. The first one that comes to mind is Michelle Obama. So that's where we're going today. Okay. Six, since you live in Waco, are you a fan of Chip and Joanna? That's so loaded. You're going to get me in so much trouble no matter what I say. Um, I can't be neutral. I will say that... Oh, I can't answer this. This is like the scariest question for me. Do you want to pass? I have to pass. I okay. have to live here. Okay. So let's replace that question. If you could go in a time machine and give yourself, your younger self, a piece of advice, what would it be? Not everything is so serious. Seven. Favorite movie or book? Favorite book is My Name is Asher Lev by Kayan Potok. Eight. Are you a coffee, tea, or neither drinker? Tea. Nine. If you could recreate your wedding day, would you change anything? Yes. What would you change? Oh, goodness. Um, I think... I, we had so little money and I probably would have spent it on different things. And one of them would have been a better photographer <laughs> and maybe less on venue and maybe just done something like outside somewhere cheap and then more on just like food and fun and less on like the trappings. Yeah. And 10, our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you pass for this question, our roles are reversed and you get to ask me a question. If you play, I ask one last question. So do you want to pass or play? I'll play. Okie dokie. Since we couldn't pull out the Chip and Joanna gains, Here's another. What's something about yourself that makes you a wild card factor? <laughs> Dang. Um, I feel like there's so people tell me that I'm a wild card factor all the time. So I'm trying to decide. Um, I would say. I have just so many random interests that I can converse just about anywhere on anything like that whole master of none, like Jack of all trades, master of none. Okay. That'd be my wild card factor. Well, thank you for playing rapid fire with Genesis. So we're going to head into our topic now and we're going to focus on the root of polarization why is this topic so important to you? So I want you to share that first. Sure. So part of the work that I do within diversity, equity, um, and inclusion is that I will be asked sometimes to do some kind of mediation with groups. Um, maybe they're students, maybe it's 
adults in organizations. It can be various different things. And often the situation that at hand has to do with some form of communication breakdown. I'm not saying that there's not a racism involved, sexism involved, any ism involved, but what will happen is that at the core of all of those things, people have needs that they want to be met and they want to be understood but they forget that the other person also has needs and wants to be understood. And so we're doing this thing where we're essentially bidding for connection and we're bidding for understanding. And when we're not getting that bid met or received, so I'm wanting you to hear me. I don't think you're hearing me. I don't think you're listening. I tend to either get louder, more aggressive, or I withdraw. I decide you don't care, which you may take as even more offensive, depending on how you were raised. And so these walls go up and these like aggressive and defensive postures lead us into essentially we start taking sides. We form teams because we want to feel like we aren't alone. That is kind of the core of our human existence is to not feel alone. And so the best way to not feel alone is to take teams and have sides in whatever situation it is. So we do that, you know, in family systems when there are fights, we do that in organizations when there are fights, and then we do that nationally, politically, whether it's a Twitter war, whether it's our political systems, whether it's something that just happened, you know, on the news, and you're talking to your friends at work, people want to not be alone. They don't like the gray and they pick sides. So polarization at the heart um, really is a, a communication problem of we can't hear each other and we're so scared to not be understood that we'd rather just let's just find somebody else that also maybe will take our side. Does that make a little bit of a sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So um, let me just rephrase what I heard. So when it comes to polarization, sometimes people, instead of really speaking up, they will retreat because they don't want to get in, involved in that conflict. Conflict, So they rather figure like, oh, okay, to resolve this conflict, maybe it's just best that I don't say anything. When sometimes you don't say anything, silence can also be working against you, depending on if it's in a workplace or a relationship or etc, because people may think, okay, I express my feelings, you're shutting down, you're not opening up, and you're not warranting open commitment communication, but you may not necessarily know what to do, especially if it's just you and another person, you don't have a mediator and a person that has unconscious biases that could step in non-judgmentally, but say, okay, this is what she said, or this is what he said, or vice versa. Now, this is where it looks like we have a root cause. Like, what can we do to get over that? Would you say that would be a good explanation of it? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. I mean, neutrality, especially when we get into issues of the isms, neutrality is also a side, right? I mean, to say nothing is to say something. And I think, um, especially for those in a, a position of power, when you are neutral, you are saying something, you're just siding with the status quo. And so that can be really painful for those who aren't 
part of the status quo um, for the direction that you're speaking of. But then when it's maybe people who are equal colleagues in some way, I mean, we still have social identities that keep us from being equal in many ways. Um, you do get into this misunderstandings that come from not understanding how the other one prefers communication. So some people are raised to just get louder until you get heard in your family. And that doesn't mean that you're mad. It doesn't mean you're yelling. You just, that's what we do until, you know, if I love you, then I'm going to keep at it until we're done. And for others, that's really disrespectful. And so I'm going to retreat until I'm chill. And then I'm going to talk to you. And so it's just a lot of misunderstanding. And that's some like basic communication 101. Polarization kind of goes another way at another level in that we begin to go from, you know, we have a disagreement to you are the problem. We don't have a problem. You are a problem. And we begin to dehumanize each other. And so I don't just think you have taken the wrong side. I think you are evil. I think that you, you know, aren't just maybe misguided or have opinions that I don't agree with. You are bad. The things that you do are bad. You are a bad person. I mean, we start to really get into a place where we can't see humanity in people who are on sides that we disagree with. And so communication is really not possible if we don't think people are equal to us mm-hmm. as humans. So yeah. that's really when we start talking about true polarization is like the dehumanization has begun. And so um, we can talk a little bit more in depth about some of like the causes of that if you want, but. Yeah, we're definitely going to dive a little bit deeper there, but I'm just going to read the uh, dictionary's definition, just put context for those listening or watching. So one, uh, one definition says it's the division into two sharply contrasting groups or sets of opinions or beliefs. The polarization of society between rich and poor is an example, but then some people may look, may try to weave in the physics of it, which is the action of restriction restricting the vibrations of a transverse wave and that um, especially light wholly or partially to one direction and sometimes it says changes in polarization of light passing through the atmosphere so it's sometimes that could be reading off of somebody's energy it could be their physical their physical light that they're carrying and sometimes whenever people have you know, that negative and that bad vibe and energy, it can create a toxic environment. And I want to look at it from the workplace standpoint, Cheryl, if I can, is because right now we're in this thing called the great resignation. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's so much polarization there, but I definitely want you to talk about some of the root causes of what can lead to that polarization within an organization and how can we move toward a, a more healthy organization and relationship as a whole, because if we're seeing loads of people dropping out of the workforce, we see slower times in all industries, and we want everything quick, 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 but if there's no one to do the jobs, then where are we going to be? Yeah, some of the data coming out of the Great Resignation is that 
people, you know, they don't want more money. They don't want more vacation time. They want respect and they want to be valued. And they're tired of being treated like cogs in a machine. And so a lot of that does come from this conversation right here. Um, you'd asked me earlier if I'd written a book and I said, no, I have written some curriculum around this. And so I'll read just a little, um, I mean, like line from that. It says my aggression or defensiveness combined with my own arrogance that I'm right and my expectations or illusions of control and security that I force onto you and everyone around me and all of this typically results in some kind of eye for eye mentality, a polar polarization towards anyone who does not agree with me. And then these tendencies manifest in five primary ways. And so we can talk about those, but I'll say that again, my aggressiveness or defensiveness combines with my own arrogance that I'm right and my expectations, which can be my illusion that I'm in control. And then I, when I force that onto you and everyone around me, that's what typically results in this eye for eye mentality of polarization towards anyone who doesn't agree with me. So in other words, you had it coming, you know, you didn't treat me right. I'm not going to treat you right. And we just like, will not give. And that's what gets us into kind of these five tendencies that manifest um, in these ways. And I, draw these primarily from um, Dr. Martin Carcasson, who's um, out of Colorado, and he identifies specifically these negative motivated reasonings. And I'll explain them um, really simply. One is that we crave certainty and consistency. So we really don't like it when somebody challenges our ability to have like the things that we know be certain. And so say in the workplace, if somebody has an idea and we're like, no, it's always been this way. I want to keep it this way. And so if there are other people on our side that also want that, we just go to that side versus being able to have like a more listening posture. The other thing is that we prefer simplistic good versus evil narratives. So if you have done something in the past that I'm just going to keep you as a good guy and if you've done something bad to me in the past then you're going to be a bad guy and we have a really hard time with the fact that people are complex and that they can be great to someone and awful to someone else that they can be great sometimes and in some situations and awful at other times because we're humans and again we're complex but our minds don't want to allow for that and so that's part of our tendency towards this like negative motivated reasoning um, we're also tribal creatures that's how we used to survive right is that we would quickly identify you're in my tribe you're not in my tribe you're safe you're not safe and so we still do that we walk into a room and we determine you're with me you're not with me but we don't actually have to do that anymore we have to take control of our thoughts we have to take control be more mindful and not just gather with like-minded people, even though it's easier, it's not what we have to do to survive anymore. We need to be intentional about being around people who do think differently than we are thinking so that we can be shaped and can grow. Um, but because we are tribal, we tend to only hear and get in this group think mentality. Um, fourth is we prefer to filter and cherry pick evidence. 
So we only take in the evidence that supports our views, which just makes, gives us this um, data bias. We're like, of course we're right because I have all this data that tells me I'm right. And we just make sure that we don't hear any of the other things that would contradict and just show us that it's a little bit more complicated than maybe we think it is. And then lastly, we inherently avoid value dilemmas, paradoxes, and tough choices. In other words, we hate the gray. So we do everything we can to kind of stay in this um, dualistic thinking of good, bad, um, it's this or that, because we don't want to be in the, like, maybe it's a attention and it's, we have to think it through and it's not as simple as I think. And so when we can push back against all of those things, um, really there, what Carcasson would say is that there's a false narrative of polarization and that we don't actually, we're not doomed for it. And we don't have to go down this path because we are more capable than we give ourselves credit for and that we can work through all of those things um, with better, healthier communication and better listening. It's just that we often give in and say, oh, well, that's just the way we are. Yeah. And I say um, sometimes when people just give in and just um, it's like a cop out because they don't want to take time to really do the work to really get to the next level because they feel like, oh, it's really not a problem. It may not be a problem for you, but it is a problem for somebody else that you come in contact with. And would you say that generational trauma can be a link to polarization because if people have things that they're dealing with that they never address, then, you know, that carries with them through their lifelong journey. It doesn't help. I mean, part of where this comes from is what we would consider an adversarial model of communication. And so in an adversarial model of communication, it's always about winning. Um, so you're not really about stories or nuance. It's just, I'm here to make my point across. And I will say that with generational trauma or um, any kind of trauma, there's a protective shield if you're not dealing with it. And so to get into nuance, to get into story, you're going to have to let down your guard. And that's not really safe to do if you have trauma that isn't being dealt with in the way that, you know, with a professional um, over time. And so I would say that would be a link that I would see is just the more trauma, especially um, unconscious, then you're going to be defensive. Um, anything that triggers you, you're going to stay away from because you don't want anyone to see those things. And again, I think a lot of times that's unconscious. You just know that something's being brought up in you. You don't like it. And you're going to push back and push away. So then another question before we begin to wind down, Cheryl, is what can someone do if they're in a spot where they feel like polarization is happening and they want to, you know, get ahead of the curve and nip it in the behind before things get worse? What are some um, tips and tricks that you would like to share? One of it is just to name what's happening. Um, and that would be you know, I noticed that we are not on the same page here. Can we try this again? Uh, that, that can be one way to start. Um, also, you know, checking yourself first. Am I responding in a defensive posture? Am I 
you know, presenting myself in a way that is, I mean, you can't control other people's actions. I want to be clear about that, but do I begin the conversation here where then someone is already going to want to match, you know, here? So, you know, how am I presenting myself? Am I aware of what's going to trigger me so that I'm already, you know, prepared in those ways? Um, another thing too is, um, like I said earlier, is to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people with different opinions, um, different backgrounds, so that you can practice conversations that are uncomfortable, but with people who also want to do that, not with the people who don't want to do that and aren't aware of it, so that you are able to, in friendship, kind of have that skill set. I mean, it's, it's a practice and it's a skill and you've got to flex that muscle so that you can get better at doing that. That would be another thing that you can kind of work on outside of just, you know, the heat of the moment so that when those things come, you're more prepared. And thank you for sharing those um, tips, Cheryl. And is there anything else that you would like to add regarding the subject that I may not have asked you about? The last thing I would say, you know, at Cardi House, we talk about generous communication. It's generous with your listening, generous with your judgment, and generous um, with your words and action. And really what we mean by that is that most people are doing the best they can. And if we can be as non-judgmental as possible and realize that life is hard, it's been really hard for a lot of us for several years now. And if you can realize that a lot of things aren't as personal as we want to take them and just take a step back, it doesn't mean that we don't say when things hurt us, that we don't speak up, but just to take a breath and realize that people really usually are doing their best and are unaware when they are doing things that are hurtful. And so to kind of take it from that spot um, before just throwing the daggers back. Yeah, great point, because you definitely don't want to have that whole hammerabai thing going on. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, because just being nasty with, with a person just because they're nasty is not going to help the situation. If anything, it's just going to, you know, heighten the situation versus de-escalating it. Now, let's jump into our call to action for this segment, Cheryl. Once our audience hears the wisdom that you just shared, what is your call to action for them? My call to action would be try to be aware of your communication today and in the weeks to come. Um, what is it that makes you really upset some days and what can you do about it? And what is it that you feel like you're really good at that? I, I'm a really good listener in this situation and, you know, give yourself a pat on the back and think this is where, where I'm, I have a strength and I want to you know, keep honing that and be, a, you know, a good friend in these ways. And these are the places where it's really hard for me and I'm going to work on it. And then think about your friend circle and how diverse is it? And no, don't just go make a friend because you, you know, hey, I need a friend that doesn't look like me. Will you be my friend? It can be a really awkward conversation, but consider why are my friends who they are and what can I do to, to have conversations with people that are different than me? 
Absolutely. And I 100% agree and co-sign with that, especially being first-generation American and coming from a multicultural and diverse background. It's good when you have diverse thoughts and different people in your circle because you're able to learn more about yourself as well as somebody else. So whenever you do get in a professional setting, you know how to interact with people who are different different from you. It is a learning process. And sometimes, you know, Um, It could be rigid, but as long as you work at it and you're really genuine, then it begins to break down those walls and barriers. And Cheryl, how can our audience connect with you? Plug your website and where you primarily hang out on social media. Would love to. So my consulting company is Cardia House, K-A-R-D-I-A House. We'll put those in the show notes, I'm sure. And I'm at Cheryl underscore W-L at Instagram. My name, I guess it's on below me. My spelling's a little different and you can find me there. And um, I would love to connect with you either through the business or personally and help you out, especially if you're trying to figure out how to move past some polarization in your church or your company or any of those things. We do trainings, um, all kinds of both consulting and workshops and we have curriculum. So I would love to be of service to you. And for those of you who are just listening to the audio component, I'm going to spell Cheryl's name for you. It's S as in Sam, H as in Henry, A as in Alpha, R as in Richard, Y as in Yellow, L as in Lima, West, W-E-S-T, last name Luong. So it's L as in Larry, O as in open, E as in Elizabeth, U as in under, N as in Nancy, and G as in Gregory. All of her contact information will be in the show notes. As Cheryl mentioned, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms and you can see all things to video content on our YouTube channel by typing in at gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And until we chat next time, I want to challenge you to learn what your communication style is, take a personality assessment. If there are any unspoken, unconscious biases that you have, write them down and ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Why does this keep coming up? Is it something that I was taught as a child? Is it something that I need to shift when it comes to my paradigm and really do the work so you can get out of that rut and get into a headspace where you are living life optimally, non-judgmental, non-biased, and et cetera. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. And thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.